This episode of Warp 5 is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 150,000 titles for your smartphone, tablet, or desktop. To get a free audiobook of your choice, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. Hi, I'm Anthony Montgomery, Ensign Travis Mayweather on Star Trek Enterprise, and you're listening to Trek FM. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Warp 5, our dedicated Enterprise show. I'm Christopher Jones, and joining me once again this week here on the NX01 is Tyler Johnson. Tyler, welcome back. Hi, everybody. It's great to be back. No fireworks this week, huh? <laughs> no legal fireworks <laughs> this week. <laughs> They're still going off all the time, but not, I can not as consistently, yeah. You know, the episode we're going to talk about tonight, Extinction has flamethrowers at the beginning. So can you imagine if your neighbors could get their hands on those for the 4th of July? Yeah, they'd have to whistle or something or they wouldn't use them though. Just flamethrowers, <laughs> they'd be bored by it. They would uh, have to whistle or explode. They couldn't just throw a flame. They'd have to be loud <laughs> right. somehow as well. I could see like colorful sparks coming out of the front and, and yeah, whistling. That would be good. <laughs> yeah, you put them on the street and they spin around, all that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, Tyler, as I said, we're going to talk about extinction tonight, and we're actually going to borrow a page from the playbook of our sister show, To the Journey, our Voyager podcast. There you go. You know it. (laughs) They like to do rewrites on that show where they take episodes that are kind of meh, and they rewrite them to hopefully make them better. I've actually never done one of these on my shows before. I like to look for the good elements in episodes and kind of focus on those. And I tend to just let this stuff that's not great, I give it a mention, but I don't usually think about rewriting the writers, I guess I should say. But there's one episode of Enterprise that has just always bothered me, and it's Extinction. It's the third episode of the third season when we get into the Zindi arc. And Tyler, this might possibly be the worst episode of Star Trek ever filmed. How do that's, you feel about that? That's a bold statement. Uh, <laughs> I I would have to do some research before I could make a st- <laughs> any sort of positive statement about that. But yeah, it's not great. And I think, you know, it, it's really telling. LeVar Burton directed this and he directed a bunch of... You know, and he's a it, wonderful director, by the way. Exactly. So yeah. this isn't the only episode he ever directed and it didn't come out great. But he actually said he was embarrassed to be part of it. Yeah. And then Brandon Braga, the showrunner, also said it was, I think, what's the quote here? One of the singularly most embarrassing episodes of Star Trek I've ever <laughs> been involved with. Yes. So when the, when the, like, when it's coming from the inside, that's usually pretty bad. <laughs> it's pretty bad. Well, and if you remember, too, the episode right before this was fantastic. It, Anomaly was the episode before this, yeah. and it was intriguing and interesting, and there was a lot happening, and there was character development, and then there was this thing, and I don't even know what it is. What frustrates me so much about this episode is that this could have been potentially a really, really interesting episode because the concept here is that a civilization was dying and as a last-ditch effort to preserve their civilization, they created a virus that transforms other life forms into them. Mm -hmm. It's an interesting concept And it's one that I could see being explored sort of in the way of the chase on The Next Generation, which is one of my favorite episodes of TNG. I love the fact that there's this mystery and there's this puzzle and it involves DNA and it involves a a civilization and a people from long ago that left something of themselves behind to preserve their memory. And it could have been something very interesting like that and something unique to the Delphic Expanse. But instead, it turns into sort of a horror story gone wrong. And 
It's actually written by Andre Bormanis, who was the science advisor on Star Trek for a long time. And I think Andre is great as well. But it seems to be that something about this story, and I think Brandon Braga's love for horror as a genre, kind of came together and jumped the shark here. <laughs> yeah, but jump the shark might be the term for it. I don't really see this as a horror episode, though, aside from the cold open. I see... I don't know what I see. Um, <laughs> there's something else going on here, but and it's like yeah, maybe it's a little bit of the Brandon Braga horror, and maybe it's the uh, you know more the scientific side. But there's 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 just so many little things that don't add up, and there's yeah. so many odd choices that you don't quite understand when you when you watch it. The reason I say horror jumping the shark is that they have this great potential in this episode. There's a great concept. But we spend so much time on the planet seeing our crew members act like monsters. It becomes almost like a monster flick for mm-hmm. a while. And other people are being attacked. And it's right. a fight with monsters. And and it doesn't even make sense from the premise of the episode if this civilization is shown as being sort of artistic and and thoughtful and we don't see the people living in the city as monsters. So why would they be transforming other people into monsters? Now, maybe something about the human DNA mixed with this virus caused things to not work out quite the way that they wanted. Mm -hmm. But then that doesn't mesh either because that seems to be the same thing happening to other races when they encounter the virus. So it's almost like this is what the virus is supposed to do. Right. But why? That doesn't seem like the goal. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Uh, I guess to me, I thought of it as more of an encapsulated story of the week. Maybe Monster of the Week works just as well. But I think we might be a little ahead of ourselves. Maybe we should do a quick we rundown be. of what the episode was about. And then okay. everything else will make sense if somebody hasn't seen it for a while. Or if they just re- wiped it from their data banks because they didn't <laughs> like it. I think they wiped it from their memory <laughs> banks, yes. So basically what happens in this episode is that Archer has his hands on a stolen Zindi database. They use the database to find this planet. They find a metallic signature of a ship. It was the the last stop for a Zindi ship that had been destroyed. And of course, at this point, this is early season three. They are looking for more information about the Zindi in their quest to prevent the Zindi from building the weapon and destroying Earth. And they go down to this planet to investigate the metallic signature while looking for the ship. And they find a corpse there because we have this really cool cold opening with the flamethrowers. So they find this corpse that had been burned at the beginning. They become infected. And the rest of the episode, for me, Tyler, anyway, the way I would describe it is our crew acts like monsters (laughs) while Phlox talks about a virus on the ship. Mysterious alien shows up whose race is never given a name. And so we call him Tret's race mm-hmm. now because all we know is this guy named Tret. And they threaten to destroy the crew and destroy the Enterprise because of the virus. Finally, Flux solves the mystery of the virus, creates a serum, wants to destroy the virus. But Archer says, no, we're, gonna, we're not going to destroy the virus. And uh, they give some serum to Tret. He goes on his way and then our crew goes on their way. Yeah, totally encapsulated. It sort of has a few little nods to the rest of the Zindi arc, but it's really nothing carries Mm -hmm. forward from this at all, um, this particular episode either. I don't mind having a standalone episode in the middle Mm -hmm. of the Zindi arc, like North Star, for example. It's kind of fun, you know. It doesn't really have anything to do with the Zindi arc itself, but it's just that kind of fun, okay, we've got our Western in Enterprise. But that's in the middle. This is the third episode. So they've just gotten there. And here we have a story that, although the setup of the story revolves around the Zindi arc, then they just kind of abandon that, really. And they just tell this other story that, for me, it feels too early in the arc to be doing this type of story. Well, the other thing is, you know, it's not so much that it can or can't be part of the overall arc and, and that makes it good or bad on its own when you call it out in the beginning and then just never talk about it again right that you know there's a lot of loose ends that are never tied up in this episode and that's a big one 
You remember that time when we all turned into monsters and got a fruit <laughs> fetish? Right. And we loved eating with our hands. And <laughs> I wish yes. selfies were as big of a thing then as they are now, <laughs> or they were as big in 2003 yeah. when this was filmed. Because they'd be like, remember, that? I have a selfie at the time I turned into an alien. I have a selfie of me with ridges. I can see them there. Like they've got the city in the background and they're doing a selfie and they're posting it to, to space Instagram. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I can just see Archer every time he has something wrong with his face. He's like, flocks. Let's get a picture of this. It's going to go in the yearbook. It's going to be great. Then Travis is up on the ship, double tapping his screen to put a heart on it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So, so. Um, yeah, but I, th- I think, you know, the other thing you left out of the quick plot summary you gave is um, there's a cold opening, one one minute or so, something like that. Um, and then, you know, it's sort of exciting. They, they burn this alien. And then there's a um, obviously the opening of the show. And then there's three minutes of tripping to Paul just doing a massage and talking <laughs> okay. about peaches. Okay, this is one of the things I wanted to ask you how you feel about it in the episode. So as a standalone episode, you do feel like, and and again, it's because I feel like there was such an interesting idea to explore in this episode that doesn't really get addressed in my eyes until the final 30 seconds of the episode. Mm -hmm. For me, this is a 30 second, it's a great 30 second episode (laughs) with what Archer says to Flox. Right. But... As a standalone episode, you feel like, yeah, there's all this time spent with T'Pol finding out if Georgia peaches are tasty and Trip getting a massage from T'Pol. Now, within the greater arc, within the context of their relationship and enterprise, that's fine with me because it makes sense with their character and their relationship arc. But in this episode, it, it feels completely like wasted time. Well, not only that, but if you watch it, the way anyone would watch it now because it's not really syndicated. So if you see it, if you see it on DVD or you see it on streaming, there's the cold open yeah. and then there's the credits, which you might skip. And then you just cut straight to this other scene. There's no answer. There's no <laughs> momentum built up. It's like, let's just not do anything for three minutes and then something else will happen. Right. Exactly. But yeah, I, I kind of like, I, I didn't mind that scene on its own. I just didn't like it where it was. Yeah. It felt weird in the episode for sure. So, Okay, things that we like. This is what I wanted to do is talk about a few things that we like, a few things that we dislike, and then what we would do differently to rewrite the episode. So, things that I like about the episode, I like the opening with the flamethrowers, not because I like seeing someone get torched with flamethrowers, <laughs> but visually it was pretty cool. The right. the suits they're wearing look cool. The green lights are cool. It's sort of unusual. It feels a little bit different than what we're accustomed to in Star Trek, and it's kind of exciting. Mm-hmm. And so I like the the cold opening. Yeah, I'm split on those. Uh, I, I feel like they're done so often now I get tired of them, but on their own in any episode, you know, they can, they can be done well. Um, so I'll side with you on that. Um, of course, I always like to see the few episodes that Daniel Day Kim was in. You know, he was Jin from Lost. Right. Yeah. He had a little cameo in here. He was a he was a regular. Did he have any lines? He was mainly a background actor, right? In here, I mean, I, he has some lines, but not a lot. Right. He he had more to do on Voyager when mm-hmm. he was in Blink of an Eye, right. where he was actually one of the astronauts who went up to Voyager after that right. civilization had had developed space technology. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I like seeing him in this. That's a really kind of a weird one. So let me use one that's actually um, in the episode. <laughs> it has something to do with the continuity. <laughs> I actually really like the makeup effects. I thought the the alien makeup was was cool. Really for Did both you? of okay. the alien races. I like the. Uh, I don't even. I don't. They never even said the name in in the. Um, in the episode, I don't think of either alien race. They did of the the ones that our crew transforms into. They are the Lakek. Okay. But the other guy, yes, he was never, he has a name. His name is Tret, but his species has no name. I must have missed that. I only heard the city. And for some reason, I was thinking they were the Loquats, which was wrong too. So uh, <laughs> Okay, well, but, but you heard it then because that's what no, stuck no, in No, I read it. Was, I was yeah. trying to figure out who they were and I saw it okay. So, um But I actually did like their makeup, especially the first one is sort of these puffy sacks around his neck and, uh, yeah. you know, it feels a little different. Yeah, the, the acting that went with it, that's a different question, but I actually like the makeup <laughs> itself. <laughs> well, see, I don't know. I'm not a fan of that makeup. It's kind of grotesque mm-hmm. to me for my taste, which is also how I would describe the acting. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> a little bit well, harsh then, there, right? And then the other alien race, Tret's race, whatever you want to call them, 
Yeah. Um, I did kind of like the fact they had that form, the prominent forehead brow, thing, right. the vertical yeah. thing. And then the ship had the same prow. See, I don't know, that's a cool that. connection. I, yeah. I do like it when they do things like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what do I like? I like the cold opening. I like the concept of the episode. So maybe the, the moment where we get a glimpse of the city and I like the conversation that Archer and Phlox have at the end, the final 30 seconds. And um, I think that's probably about it for me in this episode. I've, I have one other thing I'll throw in there. And, okay. and that is just, I like the fact that it reinforces the um, sort of in the broader story. You're kind of screwed in the expanse. Like you have no idea what's going on. Anything can yeah. happen anytime. Yeah. And uh, every alien is really scary in one way or another. I kind of like that too. But I think that applies to space in general and is something that we lost in the later Star Trek series. If you go back to the original series, mm-hmm. you have that feeling about everything, like something right. like this could happen to you on any planet you go to anywhere. Right. Yeah, yeah, I totally agreed. I just, for some reason, I feel like they turned, like when they first launched, it was very uncomfortable yeah. uh, in season one. And then they sort of got to the point where they got their feet under them. And then this, when they got to the expanse, everything, you know, what got crazy again. Yeah. Well, okay. Things that we dislike <laughs> about this episode T- to be, to, to be honest about what really bothers me about this episode without just, you know, welling on the episode the whole time, because what we're really going to do here is rewrite it mm-hmm. is the, the missed opportunity of the premise that this civilization found a way to try to preserve itself by creating a virus that would turn other people into their race. It's a great opportunity to tell a story about a civilization and its culture and its art and give some character to the expanse other than it just being this creepy place that the Vulcans are scared of. Mm-hmm. And they didn't do that. And so I, d- I don't like the fact that they didn't explore the premise of the episode the acting mm. is is horrible in this episode. And and I think Enterprise has a great cast. I think they're great actors. And I have to say about Linda Park, Linda Park got this role like right out of acting school. Mm-hmm. And I think Linda Park does a great job as Hoshi. I think that she captures what that character is. And and I enjoy watching her. And I think she's a good actress. So no criticism about Linda Park herself. The only person who I think even remotely pulls this off is Scott Bakula, and even mm-hmm. he doesn't really manage to do it 99% of the time. But I don't blame the actors at all. I blame the writers because they gave them such ridiculous material to work with that how do you interpret that? I mean, if you're an actor, Tyler, <laughs> how do you interpret this concept here and, and make it believable? Yeah. Well, and I think... I would. This is one of those things when I was watching it, uh, more so this time than the first time I, I through. But I was just thinking about the meetings that went into some of these decisions. You know, you have uh, three actors who essentially get the, the alien DNA virus and they're changing. Mm-hmm. So they obviously were meeting with someone deciding to act a particular way. They all did it the same way. And it was a really strange decision. You mentioned that it kind of felt like something halfway between what Brandon Braga would, would maybe want in a horror genre and, you know, a more scientific approach that the writer had taken in the past for this particular episode. I feel like there were maybe a lot of designed by committee ideas and things that never got it could really be. completed. Yeah. Even there's a moment where there's like a CSI thing where like they go inside Archer's chest for no reason. And you see his heart growing and his, his rib cage uh-huh. changing. And you just think, well, who, how did that get in the script? Like, how did that budget get approved? Why is that important? I think that's part of the, like the horror flick mm-hmm. mentality of it. You may be right, because if you think about Andre Borbanis from a scientific standpoint, there's the idea that there's this virus, it transforms you. Maybe someone could use that as a way of preserving their race. Right. And then you've got the, they're transformed into monsters, let's make it creepy and scary. When you put those two things together, then it's, it's. I'm not going to say it's difficult to make it work. I think you can make it work. I think it's easy for it to jump the rails like it did. Yeah, yeah, I think, yeah, exactly. And I think also, you know, scene to scene, it almost feels like it was written and rewritten and rewritten and rewritten so many times that yeah. it ended up disjointed. Mm-hmm. And, and it could have been, know, yeah. 
Yeah, when they're in their makeup, they're in one scene they're really loose, and the next scene they're jumping around like monkeys. You know, right? Yeah, yeah, all of those things. And see, that's what I didn't understand was that if the virus is supposed to transform people into this race on this planet, and we see their city when Archer has the dream and he's there, mm-hmm. they're not animals. So right. why do our crew members increasingly act primitive and animalistic as they're being transformed? Yeah, and that was one of my, you know, when we're talking about things we would rewrite, I'm getting ahead a little bit here, but that was one of my big things is they, they just can't ahead. be stupid. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, <laughs> that should be the title be of the show. We're getting ahead a little bit. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> All right, so is there anything else that you want to point out that you that you don't like about it before we I talk th- about I, rewrites? I think that's enough. We don't need to beat up on it. We just want sure. to, I want to set a baseline because I've, I think, you know, I wish they would have emailed me in 2003 and asked me to look at the script. So this is my shot. Right. <laughs> So again, I know we sound very negative here, which is something I try not to do on my shows, but we do want to set up what it is about this episode that makes us feel like it needs to have a rewrite in the first place. So Tyler, here's my rewrite. What I did is I just did summaries for each act. So this is what would happen in the episode if I were going to rewrite this episode. For the teaser, I would keep it just as it is because I think it sets up the story well. Guys come out, uh, they burn this guy with the flamethrower. We know something is not good on this planet. And we need the corpse for our crew to go down and find so that an infection can take place. So that's the teaser. Act one, I would keep mostly as is. The beginning of it, I would keep it as is. Archer discovers the planet using the stolen Zindi database the crew beam down to investigate the metallic signature and they find the corpse. Now, the makeup of the landing party would be a little bit different for me. I would have someone else on the landing party, an Enterprise red shirt, if you will. <laughs> and I don't know exactly who it would be. I was As I got to the end of the episode, I was thinking, well, maybe it could be T. Palmer, who is the Mako who beams down with Trip near the end of the episode to rescue everybody. Maybe it could be him going down, but of course he wouldn't be wearing a spacesuit at that point in time. But someone else who's not a main crew member is in the landing party. That person becomes infected when they find the corpse. The rest of the crew, they quickly take countermeasures, they subdue him, they take him back to Enterprise. Phlox runs tests and discovers the virus in his system. So the only person infected is this one guy, not a main member of the crew. Act two, Tret shows up. This is the thing about the episode that feels weird to me also is Tret doesn't show up until halfway through the story. Mm-hmm. Where I think Tret needs to show up early so that he can explain the history of this planet and what's going on with the virus. I need that to happen in order to set up the rest of my story as I'm rewriting it. So Tret shows up after receiving a message from a warning buoy to find out who is messing with the planet because they've quarantined this planet. Archer explains what happened and Tret comes aboard the Enterprise for a meeting. Of course, that'd be our 22nd century staff meeting. He explains the history of the Lakek and the virus that was designed by the dying species as a way to preserve their civilization. Archer asks Phlox to study the virus further while Tapol and Hoshi research historical records of the Lokek, which Tret has in his database, because Tret's people have been studying this planet since the 2090s, so for, for a good while, to see if they can figure out how to cure this virus. So they already know a lot about this planet and these people. So that gives Tapol and Hoshi something to do. It's kind of like Beverly, Jordy, and Data in the chase trying to figure out the DNA puzzle. Mm-hmm. And then Act 3, Topol and Hoshi tell Archer that they have located the coordinates of the lost city of the Lokek and that it may hold the answer to the virus and a cure for the transformed crewmen. Then Archer, Reed, and Travis, because I want Travis to have something to do <laughs> in my story as well. <laughs> of course, in, in the real story, he's the one who's on the bridge. Mm-hmm. But Archer, Reed, and Travis, and Tret. They all take a shuttle pod down to the planet and they investigate. They find the city and inside the city, they find additional records. They find art and culture created by these people. So we learn something about the civilization. 
Meanwhile, up on the ship, Phlox continues his research, and Trip is needed to assist with containment of the transformed crew member. I'll admit, I had to find something for Trip to do in this story other than get massages because T'Pol's busy with Hoshi <laughs> investigating now, so her hands aren't available. And you can only eat so many Georgia peaches on your own before you've had enough. So I can imagine that this crewman keeps transforming and they need to find a way to restrain him. So it's kind of a stretch, but it gives Trip something to do. Also, cameo appearance by Chef. I think Chef is called upon to prepare some nice fruit dishes because apparently when you're transformed, you love to eat fruit with your hands right out of the skin. That's not fruit. Those were maggot things. I think you should have to make those. Oh, were they? Yeah, I guess they were. It they looked were like squirming. pomegranates to me. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's like pomegranates that they're full of worms. They cracked okay. them open. They wriggled in the first scene. They never wriggled again after that. They, they didn't have the time. All right. Well, I was trying to, trying to keep this tasteful, not too disgusting, but okay. <laughs> we'll, we'll go with a little maggot pomegranate uh, mix there. I think that'll work okay. Uh, stuffed pomegranates. Have you decided who's playing chef in that scene or they just talk about him? Just talk about him. You might see his arm, like he reaches in to hand it to Fox. <laughs> nice. And that's it, yeah. Uh, also, as he leaves, you might see his hat, but that's it. Mm-hmm. So, okay. So, back to the serious part of the story here. Act four, Archer and the landing party return, and Flox uses the information they retrieved from the city to cure the crewmen and create an antidote to the virus. Tret and Flox both want to destroy the mutagenic virus, But Archer gives the same speech that we see in the episode, the one that we hear at the end. And instead of destroying the virus, Archer has additional warning buoys placed near the planet and gives Trout the formula for an antidote that's tailored to work only on his species so they can use the antidote to heal their own people who may come in contact with the virus, but they cannot use it to annihilate the Lokek completely because I can see Archer giving them the antidote and then they would modify that and then completely wipe out the virus. And and I thought about that and I thought, well, you know, that would be okay, really. And it would be realistic. And from Archer's perspective, his hands are clean because he did not destroy it. But I felt like Archer would probably want to take some sort of safeguard that that would not happen. It probably would still happen anyway. Like they would mm-hmm. figure out how to engineer it, but it would take a lot more work on their part. I can tell so, you what, though. They were working on it for 20 years. They couldn't figure it out. So like, I don't know if I true. trust them for bioengineering. But they didn't even have a serum at that point, right? So right. If, if they have the, the serum, maybe they could do it. So so that's how the story would play out for me. As, as I've said throughout the show tonight, the final 30 seconds, the conversation between... Phlox and Archer, I think is wonderful. Basically, what Archer says is that you can't destroy this virus. This was created by a people and a civilization as a last-ditch effort to save themselves, and at least to save the memory of their civilization. And we came out here to prevent the Zindi from destroying mankind, and I'll be damned if I'm going to play a part in destroying another civilization. I thought that was, again, the best part of the episode. And for a long time, I thought that that should come up front so that the episode is more about that. But the more I think about it, I like it happening at the end. But it's so kind of out of the blue, really, where there's they haven't learned anything about the civilization. And I think they should learn that through the story. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. I I like the use of the red shirt. I like the fact that they actually learn something (laughs) about both of these alien races besides just seeing one city and one ship. Yeah, that's that's interesting. So that's my rewrite. Well, what would you do with it, Tyler? I I took a little path, a different path. Mine's not um, quite as specific as yours, but there's some things in common. The the main thing that, you know, I I still think you have a similar kind of teaser at the beginning, like you said, and somebody's got to get infected for this to make sense. And I like the idea of it being one person maybe so we were right online with that um and i think i might like your idea better than mine but i actually wondered what if t'pol got infected mm. and humans were oh, immune for some can reason I just, can i just say one thing before you go What's on up? did it bother you that t'pol kind of was affected a little <laughs> but really was okay it's just so like stereotypical go-to that vulcans are always immune to whatever it is that affects the rest of the crew yeah, there were a few things that bothered me. Her sort of 
it reminded me of one of those these like jungle movies where there's a white person in with the natives because she was dressed in all white and everyone else was sort of dirty. And it was just very, there were some strange aspects of that that bothered me, but that was one of them. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, so go ahead with your, with your story. So you were saying what if T'Pol were infected and the humans were okay this time? Yeah, exactly. And, and, and in this case, you know, I'm going to accept that you can get a, a, you know, DNA mutagen and change everything about you, including your language in in just a minute. You know, it's not mm-hmm. something that has to take place over. Well, it's something that's possible, first of all, which yeah, probably well, it really isn't. And it wouldn't it probably take isn't, years. You know? But I could accept that. I mean, I can right. go with that idea. Right. That's so I'm, okay assuming, me, yeah. I'm assuming that's something that can happen. Yeah. So she is infected, but she's really smart and she's really fast and she's really active and she's trying to unlock this mystery. And the, tr- the crew is basically trying to catch her the whole time. And it could even be that... The city's on another planet, so she has to get to Enterprise to go to this planet. It could mm-hmm. be that they're on the planet uh, where the city is. At. You know, I'm kind of open about that. But the idea is that she's very active and very smart and not jumping around like a monkey. Right? That's sort okay. of... Um, yeah. So I like that. The other big thing that I think I would do differently is I would have some of those aliens be alive. And I they would all have been... okay aliens from other planets who were affected by the mutagen and ended up in the city. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if there's 20 of them or, or 2000 of them, but they're, well, they're in the city. That would make sense, right? Because at least the virus was successful and some people are coming back there. Right. And, and they it, even, the virus even solved the problem and they can breed. So they have children. So now the moral quandary is, do we turn these people, beings back to whatever alien race they were and return them to their home do what do we do with their children who are probably permanently this way and and maybe their parents came from two different races on two different planets um what happens to their identity um how much of their identity was retained when they went through this transformation and how much of it was themselves and how much of it was a instinctual actions and when they're smarter that's a bigger question and I, I think that would be, it's sort of the same question you're talking about, about what we do with this race, only now they're a race that's been artificially brought back to life. It's like bringing the woolly mammoth back, right? Mm-hmm. But but then what do you do with the woolly mammoth? You know, they don't really have a habitat anymore. Um, so I think that would be kind of interesting. And that, you know, the mystery is being solved. And maybe even, you know, if it's DePaul that, that's infected, she's also, she's she's being compelled to go do this thing, but she's also struggling with the fact of her internal personality versus what the DNA changes are doing to her. Okay. Yeah, I like that too. Yeah. Yeah, that raises the stakes for Archer at the end as well, right? Because like you say, it's not a hypothetical anymore. It's not like, let's preserve this virus because it represents what is left of that civilization. Here, it's really like, do we condemn these people and these new people? Well, and maybe they're even like a leper colony where if you go live amongst them, you might also still get this. So they're still really contagious. They're fine mm-hmm. amongst themselves. But, you know, um, Tret's race, if if they showed up down there, they would all turn into the into this race as well. So, mm-hmm. you know, they, they still have an aspect of danger about them. And maybe the mystery is how to stop that from being infectious anymore um, and deciding between that, turning them back to who they were or letting them live on as as they are. I can see them approaching your ship in space. We are the Lokek. <laughs> you will be assimilated. <laughs> you will be transformed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I also think um, I would like to see a little, either tie in with the Zindi arc or don't. So if if you have them alive, then one of them could be an arboreal. And so you can- Okay, that's a cool idea. Yeah, maybe they have some retained knowledge or maybe that's the one they turned yeah. back. Yeah, because I was thinking- how would I work the Zindi arc into this more? Because I said up front that I felt like it was way too early to do a story that didn't have more to do with the Zindi arc than this. But I also said that I don't mind there being an episode in the middle of the arc, you know, Mm -hmm. like North Star that doesn't have very much to do with anything else going on. And I kind of came to the conclusion that I would just let the beginning where the reason they're here is that they're tracking down a ship that they think will give them clues. And then the rest of the episode doesn't need to be connected because I didn't think of another good way to connect it. But but I like your idea, yeah, that 
there are people in the city that have been transformed and at least one of them is a Zindi and they can learn some more from this Zindi. That would also, hmm, I don't know, I'm thinking how you could, you could even combine that with the ethical dilemma for Archer about what to do with the virus, the fact that there is someone that they need amongst these people. Or someone they don't want to turn back who might hurt them too. All of that. Right. Mm-hmm. Even um, the other the other way you could maybe get to that as well is um, not the ethical dilemma, but learning something else about the Expanse and the Zindi is uh, they never ask Tret's race anything and they never seem to learn anything from them. So they, they might be able to turn right. to them and say, hey, that we were chasing these sort of uh, arboreal type things. Do you know anything about them? Um, that that's, whole side of things. That's what kind of bothered me about Tret and his race showing up is that they're just kind of there to put some pressure on the crew to figure this out mm-hmm. so that the Enterprise isn't destroyed and the crew members aren't destroyed. It's almost like generic alien threat, whereas it felt like they should be working together because they have a common interest, which is right. to solve what this virus is. And Tret has the knowledge that they don't have, and therefore they should be sharing that knowledge. I feel like if this were a TNG episode or a Voyager episode, and I'm not including DS9 just because on DS9 they wouldn't be out on some random planet like this. Mm-hmm. I feel like if it were a TNG or a Voyager episode, that's what would happen. They would share information between the crew and this alien that showed up and they would work together somehow. Well, and there's another part of that too, which is they just didn't have much interest uh, from my perspective. You know, they came in as this threat that you don't know anything about. And then you kind of turn and like, maybe you could understand their point of view, but you still don't care yeah. because you they never f- give them anything interesting to say or do really. If you had not mentioned the connection between the forehead and the design of the ship, mm-hmm. I would almost feel like they were an afterthought that was part of a continuous rewriting process. Right. Because when we see him on the view screen, it's so nondescript. There's like no real background, right, to his ship. Mm-hmm. It's just dark and his uniform, his costume looks like what did we have back in the back from right. some other alien we saw sometime that we can throw on this guy. It almost feels like they decided that they needed this element and then they threw that in there as well. And there's not a lot of thought given. That may be why his race doesn't even have a name. Yeah, it's, it's the, they put way more thought into the ship and the makeup than they did in, you know, into the other writing decisions, I felt like. And um, yeah. that's that's really too bad because, you know, there's I'd love to learn about other species and have them feel like they're interesting. Instead, these guys were just kind of like must burn, must destroy. This is what we do. <laughs> right. I heard, I'm listening to you, but I don't care. <laughs> um, and they, they re- there really was a lot of variance there. Maybe we would we would find out that an an old Earth ship got lost in the Delphic Expanse, crashed on those people's planet was carrying a copy of Fahrenheit 451. <laughs> and that's why this planet has such a flamethrower fetish. Yeah, totally. Or, you know, <laughs> it's the other thing about sort of their approach that could be done in this episode, but it might be a little too much on the nose, is that, you know, maybe they turn out to be relatives of the, of the how do you say the name of the other aliens? The Loquaqua or something? Lokek. 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 They, they're somehow, you know, they're related. You're making them sound clean on. <laughs> I can't. For some reason, I just can't get their name in my head. So uh, It is a but, weird name and a but, weird spelling. Yeah. Well, any, all those apostrophes mess me up. But um, Well, that the, makes it alien, Tyler, when you put apostrophes in it. Yeah, I know. and But they're not, they don't use contractions, but they use apostrophes all over the place. What's going on <laughs> with that? Star Trek Diction Talk. That's our, that's the latest Trek FM show we're going to. Oh, that'll be a, a good new show. Yes. <laughs> It's perfect. Well, those were all my big ideas. Do you have any other? Uh, yours, yours was, I think, more. Yeah, I mean, more my, mine out. is, I think, pretty much fleshed out. I think what I would say now is that we would like to hear from the listeners what ideas you have for rewriting Extinction. So, you know, get brave. Go load up this episode on Netflix. Pop in your DVDs or your Blu-rays. Watch it. And then think about how you would rewrite it. Or tell us that you love it the way it is, if that's the case. I would like to know that as well. You know, send us your rewrites. 
go to trek.fm slash contact and choose to send a message to a show and choose Warp 5 and then send us your rewrites for Extinction. We would like to know what you would do with the episode. Or, or you know, a nice fan film episode version of it would be fine too. <laughs> I mean, if you get a little time over the weekend, just go ahead and film a full one hour episode. It's it's fine. <laughs> I'll ask Tommy Kraft if maybe he wants to do this as his next film instead of doing the Kirshara like we talked about yeah. a while back here on the show. <laughs> Actually, be a, this would be a fun radio drama. Just audio only. It might be. It could become a cult classic, like a Halloween night classic. Everyone gets together. They listen to the extinction radio drama. Everyone dresses up. They do Lokek cosplay. Mm-hmm. They serve uh, <laughs> maggot bowls at the concession stand. Oh, boy. I feel like we may have run out of ideas. We're talking about maggot <laughs> bowls again. That, that <laughs> might be the end of this one. Um, it might be. So why don't we wrap up here? Yeah. So, um, I- any any final thoughts? Anything else you want to say tonight, Tyler? Um, I'll say this. I would still watch this over a lot of uh, episodes of other shows. Despite the CSI okay. moment, I would watch this show over, or, or this particular episode of Enterprise over pretty much any episode I've seen of CSI. Sorry, CSI. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And I, and I don't know for sure, if I'm correct, that this is the worst episode of Star Trek ever made. I could make a list of probably the top 10 contenders. Maybe we should do that sometime as well. Yeah, that could be a cross-episode show. Chris, you're such a raconteur and you're you know, just poking everybody and trying to get them fired <laughs> up about what the worst episode is. I see how you got it going on. Well played, sir. All um, right. Well, well, Tyler, thanks for joining me again this week. Tell everyone where they can find you around the interwebs. Yeah, if you have ideas about uh, how to improve the show or just curious about, uh, you know, uh, other Star Trek stuff or, or life in general, you can tweet at me at Flintastic, F-L-Y-N-T-T-A-S-T-I-C. Um, if you want to see my dogs, you can go to Instagram under the same name <laughs> <laughs> and other weird pictures of the Pacific Northwest that I enjoy. Um, or you, you can find me on Warp 5 pretty regularly. Yeah, and also in the ready room sometimes. Yeah, you got to bring me back in the ready room. It's been a little while. Yeah, we got to do that. Got to do that soon. All right. I think you're the first person to ever plug Instagram on the show. So <laughs> I think there's some kind of award in that for you. Groundbreaking. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks again, Tyler. Thanks, Chris. Well, I hope everyone enjoyed hearing our rewrites of Extinction tonight. As we said, be sure to send us your rewrites if you have ideas for ways to improve the episode. But Extinction isn't the only thing we've been talking about here on the network over the past week. So here's a quick look at some other things you may have missed elsewhere on Trek FM. Previously on Trek.FM, Standard Orbit. It was the biggest opening ever for a movie. And, uh, you know, it was, it got huge critical acclaim and success. And fans were, you know, most, not every, but most fans were really happy with it. Earl Grey. Kids these days, gosh, back in my day, our nacelles were round and we went warp five. <laughs> and our dishes were large. Our dishes were large and we liked it that way. The Ready Room. Yeah, one of the things I noticed about that in terms of the population is everybody on a Aminiar seems to have a number in their name, which may indicate yeah. that they yes. have a lot of children, perhaps, to kind of compensate for the fact that they're killing three million people a year. The Orb. Mourn chest yes. bumping a, a dancing bullion is one of the awesome. best scenes in Deep Space Nine. So awesome. <laughs> to the journey! When you brought it up, I was like, that's right, because it's that weird moment when you're like, is that is that Dietrich Bader? What's going on? <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, and indeed it is. And he had this weird kind of like Jerry curl thing going on <laughs> in, his, in his hair. Commentary, Trek stars. There was even a little bit of an Voyager. There was Kess. But then they, you know, decided to not do that and just made her a space carry, which is what her name should have been. <laughs> Neelix so, and space carry. Warp 5. I feel like that's an that's that's an award that didn't exist until DVDs existed. Like no one had the best Betamax release of the year. Right, <laughs> it just that's wasn't right. a thing. And, and it always goes to the one studio that decided not to turn their back on Betamax. Continuing mission. I think it will be fun for younger people. I think it will be fun for people that can connect with with those characters in this family situation. Literary tricks. The relationship that she's having with Spock at this point is one of a very deep, 
friendship, like a very deep friendship, and, and she's caring for her friend who's gone through what could only be considered a trauma. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. So check out all of these shows and find out what we're talking about in your favorite corner of the Star Trek universe. You can find us everywhere you get your podcasts. We're all over the place. Just search for Trek.fm or the name of the show you want to listen to, and you should find us there. If you're in iTunes or on Stitcher, be sure to leave us a review and get your name in the drawing for some prizes in our reviews promotion. I'll tell you a bit about that in just a moment, but beforehand, I want to share some reviews with you that we've received. The first review is one that we actually got a little while back, but I can't remember if I've shared it here on the show before, so I want to do that now. This is from Dante Hopkins in the U.S. iTunes store. Dante writes, Enterprise finally appreciated. I really enjoyed Enterprise in first run, and listening to Chris and his guests talk about Enterprise inspired me to begin re-watching it. I rediscovered then why I liked this show so much, and it's great to have a discussion of Enterprise highlighting what was great about this series. I really appreciate the format and look forward to each podcast. Thanks again, Chris. So, so Dante may not like tonight's episode quite as much since we didn't really highlight what was great about this series, but hopefully, Dante, you still enjoyed our talk about Extinction anyway. So thanks for your review. Also, 17 Brian, and that's Brian with a Y, just like me, left us a five-star review in the U.S. iTunes store and said, last and first, while Enterprise was the last Star Trek show to air, Warp 5 was the first podcast from Trek FM I heard. The hosts provide a good mix of episode and character reviews, as well as glimpses into what Enterprise could have been. Well, that's great to hear that Warp 5 was your very first Trek FM podcast. We have 17 shows on the network, so the fact that you joined us through Enterprise is really great, and, and I think shows there is an audience for this series out there. So thanks for your review, 17 Brian. I really appreciate that. And also, Phasers to Wellsby left us a five-star review in the U.S. iTunes store and said, Helping a series with a bad reputation. While Enterprise is often underappreciated, this podcast takes the time to point out all the great things that occurred throughout the series. I enjoy the hosts' focus on the good in Enterprise and their thoughts on what the series did to expand the Star Trek universe. So thank you, Phasers to Wellsby, for that review. We have some more. I don't want to read too many in one show, so I will share some more next time. And for everyone else, Get your name into the hat as well by leaving us a review. We are giving away some great Star Trek prizes as incentive for you to go and share your thoughts on the show. Reviews are very important to us not only because we love to hear what you think about the show, but also because they impact how we place in iTunes and on Stitcher. Reviews make it easier for other Star Trek fans and other Enterprise fans to find Warp 5 and our other shows. We know that if you're like us, you're probably doing other things when you're listening to the podcasts. You're not at a keyboard. You can't really go and leave a review at that moment. So we want to give you added incentive to do so. We're giving away a season of Star Trek on Blu-ray or DVD of your choice, Star Trek novels of your choice, official Starships collection ships from Japan, also a full collection of our alien art badges. Winners will be drawn at random from all entries received before midnight Pacific time on July 31st. And it's very easy to enter. All you need to do is to leave us a rating and a review. It does have to be a written review on iTunes and or Stitcher. And you can do both. So you can review Warp 5 on iTunes. You can also review Warp 5 on Stitcher. And that will count as two entries. Also, you can review the Trek of Film Master Feed. That's a feed that contains every episode of every show that we do. And that will count as yet another entry. And of course, Beyond Warp 5, you can review all the shows that you listen to here on the network. There are two steps for entering. First is to leave a review on iTunes and or Stitcher. And second is to visit trek.fm slash review and complete the form you find there. That gives us the information that we need to get your name into the drawing and also to get in touch with you if you win. And so we can thank you for your review. So go do that today. We look forward to hearing from you and we thank you for your support. Now, if you would like to share your thoughts on today's show, share your Extinction rewrites with us, or talk to us about anything else about Enterprise or Star Trek that you want to discuss, there are a number of ways that you can do that. 
You can find the network on Twitter. Our username is TrekFM. On Facebook, we're at facebook.com slash TrekFM. We have a community on G+. We have forums at trek.fm slash forums. You can send us a voicemail through the website, and we have the contact form that I mentioned during the show, trek.fm slash contact, and that comes to us by email. If you'd like to find me, you can find me on Twitter also. My username is C. Brian Jones, the letter C and Brian with a Y. I'm on Facebook at facebook.com slash C. Brian Jones. Feel free to hit me up there. And I have my own website at cbrianjones.com. And here on the network, I do a lot of other shows. I also do The Orb, which is about DS9, Literary Treks, Continuing Mission, which is about fan series, Matterstream about science and social issues, The Ready Room, which is our big show, which I do with lots of other guests. Also, there's Hyperchannel, the daily news show, and the new Axonar official podcast, which I co-host with Alec Peters. So check those out if you want to hear more of my thoughts about Star Trek. Before I let you go, I would like to tell you about our sponsor for today's show, Audible.com. They are the best source of audiobooks that you will find anywhere. They have over 150,000 titles. At this point, I think it's probably more like 160,000. There's something for everyone there because they add hundreds of new books every single week, new releases, bestsellers, classics. They have lots of great Star Trek books as well. And as a Trek FM listener, you can get a free audiobook of your choice just for trying Audible. All you need to do is to go to audibletrial.com slash trekfm and sign up. And if you decide not to stick with Audible at the end of the trial, there's nothing to lose because you get to keep that book. But when you try Audible, it really, really does help us keep Warp 5 coming to you every week. So go try it out today. audibletrial.com slash trekfm. I promise you're gonna love it. I've been a customer for years and no plans to stop anytime soon. And we really thank Audible for their support of the show. And we thank you for supporting Audible. Well, thanks again to Tyler for joining me today. And thank you everyone for listening. Join me again next time here in the Decon Chamber for yet another episode of Warp 5. <laughs>